I'm Heidi Harris. This is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do these a couple of times a week. You can also subscribe anywhere. Of course, you get podcasts. You can also catch me on Sunday nights on 97.1 FM Talk in St. Louis. It's 7 to 9 St. Louis time, 5 to 7 Vegas time. If you're still in Vegas and one of my Vegas fans after my 23-something years of doing talk radio in Vegas. So you can find me online at HeidiHarris.com. This week, I'm posting some interviews and conversations I've had with people regarding 9-11, the 20th anniversary. One of my friends who's been a journalist for decades was actually there at Ground Zero on 9-11. Listen to this clip. Are you okay? Great. Oh my God, no. Are you all right, sir? I'm fine, thank you. I'm you're you're, you're oh covered. What happened? I was on the 65th floor, of the, uh, 68th floor of One World Trade Center, and... Uh, there was a massive explosion. The whole building shook. I was only about uh, 15 floors below where the plane hit. Can you even imagine? Joining us is Robin Walensky. She's a journalist, author. She was there at Ground Zero on 9-11. That's a reporter you hear in this clip. She's got some more details about that. One of the few good stories 20 years ago this week. Robin, it's hard to believe it's been 20 years, isn't it? It's just incredible. Amazing that, you know, there are times, you know, I was there standing under the Twin Towers, Heidi. At times, it does seem like two decades ago, and then other times, it seems like yesterday. I would tell you that what sticks with me that will be with me forever is the sound of thuds, which I thought at the time, you know, plane into the building, furniture out, but it was really people jumping to their deaths because the fire was raging. And, you know, you think about that. And it's just that is what radical Islam, the terrorists, wanted us to be left with, is, is that sort of imagery, imagery of, you know, people jumping. And it's, it's scary because we're fighting religious fanatics. Yeah, you interviewed, um, I've shared some audio of you interviewing a man who was about 15 floors below where the plane went in. How scary. There were a lot of people who obviously couldn't get out because they were above where the plane had gone in and the fire escapes and things like that were blocked. But here was a guy who was able to get out. I mean, there were tons of stories about these kinds of folks. Yeah, you know, the only good news that I reported that day is that sound clip, and that is Chuck Mara, who was an employee of the Port Authority, and he had been in the World Trade Center bombing eight years prior, and he knew how to get out, and he was a floor warden, a monitor, so he got everybody out, and his wife, uh, Jean, was in the street with me, and she started running the other way as the smoke cloud from the collapse and was coming, and I said, please, you cannot go down there, you cannot go down there, and she kept saying, you know, my husband uh, is kind of, you know, walking up the street, and I thought, yeah, right, you know, and then sure enough, he appears, looking like man in the moon with the big sweat rings under his arm, shampooed in plaster, uh, his hair all thick clumps, and he walked down 68 flights of steps, and that is that sound where she is wailing in the street, and people around us just started applauding and clapping. It was such a powerful moment because that was the emotional reunion that so many people wanted that they never got on 9-11. Boy, that's so true. We're speaking with Robin Walensky, journalist and author who was there at Ground Zero on 9-11. I know you wrote a book about reporting in that uh, vicinity on that day. And of course, you're, you're from that area too, so you know it very, very well. You know, it's 20 years, as we mentioned, goes by in a second. And, you know, now with the Afghanistan war, a complete debacle leaving there the way 
we did, you know, we've put ourselves in a terrible position where we could be revisiting the same kind of thing in some kind of a different capacity. Clearly, those buildings won't be attacked. They're not there anymore. But we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't. And, you know, the definition of terrorism, Heidi, is the element of surprise. Terrorists are like, you know, snakes lying in the grass waiting to strike. And we are fighting religious fanatics, and we are fighting an ideology. And it just didn't happen in 9-11 20 years ago. This has been going on for thousands of years. And the thing about the terrorists that people don't understand is that they're in it for the long game. They don't care about, you know, they don't care about the Twitterverse and the, the news cycle and the West. They're in it for the long haul. Think about the eight years from the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. The goal was to topple the towers back then. So when when did it ever stop being the goal? And Osama bin Laden plotted and planned in a cave for eight years. And we did nothing in those intervening years. I would also bring up another point in history. You know, we always have to look to the past to determine our future. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. Anwar Sadat, a Muslim, uh, president of Egypt, 1979, shakes hands in a treaty with Menachem Begin from Israel and Jimmy Carter. It was three years later that he was assassinated while sitting in a chair and watching a parade. The Muslim Brotherhood took him out for shaking hands with the Jews and the Americans. And so, again, to my point, that radical Islam, they're in it for the long haul. They do not play the short game. They're into the, to the long game for sure. Tell me about one of the masterminds of the World Trade Center attack the first time. The story goes he was being flown to prison in a helicopter, and one of the agents with him said, see, they're still standing, and he said they wouldn't be if I had more money. Is that true? And if not, what actually was said? What was actually said was it was Ramzi Youssef, Mm -hmm. who was the co-conspirator. I covered that trial of the blind sheikh, Omar Abdel Rahman. And then Ramzi Youssef was his co-conspirator. Okay. And when Ramzi Youssef was in the helicopter, it was pointed out, oh, they're still standing. But he said that we'll be back and we're going to take it down. And he threatened that it was going to come down someday. So if you think about it, when they put the bomb in 1993, and I covered that as well, it was a snowy day in February in 1993, and when the bomb was put under, driven in a rider truck underneath in the B-2 garage, imploded with the goal of toppling the towers, because the prosecutor at trial, Heidi, Andrew McCarthy, Andy McCarthy, who's now a Fox News contributor, you see him on TV all the time, he said, Your Honor, it was the goal of these two terrorists to topple the towers. And so when they couldn't get into the B-2 garage underneath anymore, because in the security aftermath would not allow that, you, you know, you had a gate and different security and such, then they came up with the idea that you know, Americans never thought of, to hijack planes, oh, and to fly them into the building as missiles. And, uh, you know, it strikes me, I think of Tom Kane, who was on the 9-11 Commission report, and he, you know, famously said that 9-11 was the failure of the American imagination. We're speaking with journalist Robin Walensky, who was at Ground Zero on 9-11 20 years ago this week. It was interesting for those of us who were on the West Coast, we turned the TV on after the first plane went in and then we saw the second plane go in. I think a lot of people saw the first plane if they saw it on the news and they went, huh, that's a bad pilot. But by the time the second plane went in, everybody realized it was a terrorist attack, right? Was that true where you were also? 
That is correct. It wasn't until the second plane went in and we started hearing bin Laden and those of uh, and Al Qaeda and only those of us who were really focused and tuned in on the 93 World Trade Center bombing. And, you know, people talk about the buildings, okay? It was not about the metal and steel of the Twin Towers. It was what the World Trade Center stood for. And the World Trade Center stood for American might. Right. And the American economy. And that's why it was a target once, it was a target twice, and frankly, I, you know, it could be a target again. And, you know, you think about symbolism in America, it's all about symbolism uh, for those uh, who, who want to hurt us. I would say this, I think that the big elephant in the room is what happens in Afghanistan now. So you have bin Laden, who who's dead, who formed al-Qaeda back in the 90s. And then you have ISIS and ISIS-K. And frankly, they're all wannabe terrorists, but they're all terrorists and they all believe in the same thing. They believe in Sharia law, they believe in radical Islam, and they want to kill the infidel and their jihadists. And they're going to wait us out for years. And, and what really upsets me is that we hung a flag over one of the buildings down at Ground Zero, and, we, and it infamously says, never forget, right? When we think of 9-11, everybody's always doing the hashtag, never forget. But have we forgotten? And the mainstream media is very guilty because we have a whole generation, Heidi, of people that are, what, 21, 22, that were babies, that weren't even, you know, and others younger that weren't even born. And so it's not being taught in our schools. And the mainstream media, maybe maybe we see a sanitized version of the video once a year. You have to kind of go to the History Channel. And it's it's bad. We need to see that raw footage because they're going to come back and they're going to get us again when we're asleep at the wheel. That's absolutely true. We're speaking with Robin Walensky, journalist and author who was at 9-11, right at ground zero on 9-11. You know, Laura Logan, of course, from CBS News, who's been very outspoken when it comes to terrorism. I saw her speak one time and she, she made a great point. She says, we only catch the slow and stupid ones. Right. Mm. So the masterminds who are behind this, you know, don't think that's a bunch of guys running around in pajamas, I'm paraphrasing. But that's what a lot of people think, to your point about folks, you know, maybe not giving them the credit they deserve. There are a lot of stupid ones running around in pajamas, but they're the masterminds who are behind all of this, who don't care how many stupid ones they kill or get killed in, you know, suicide bombings. They don't they don't care about those people. They're not important to them. That loss doesn't matter to the masterminds, but they're still behind the scenes pulling the strings. You had engineers, you had al-Qaeda terrorists who are engineers that were able to fly and learn how to fly airplanes, and they also knew straight up that when those planes were used as missiles, the, the force of the crash and the fuel burning north of 500 degrees, they knew that they were going to take those buildings down. Right. One of the things you've been very concerned about is how many people have had cancer and residual problems as a result of being there in Ground Zero on 9-11. The World Trade Center Health Program has 112,000 enrolled responders and survivors. 65,000 of them have certified World Trade Center illnesses. Uh, 4,000 have cancer. Many others have had cancer. Some other uh, numbers are saying that 25,000 people have had cancer. So we know that it's hard to get a grasp on how many people have been affected long-term besides emotionally. We're talking about physical problems as a result of what happened on 9-11. I have friends that have passed away, reporters, photographers, all sorts of law enforcement friends 
who are gone, who have died from inhaling all those toxic fumes. And people who are so sick now with cancer, a very dear friend of mine, a retired policeman who worked in the forensics unit and the NYPD in the New York City Police Department, whose job it was at the Staten Island landfill to sort through all the debris looking for human bones, Heidi, and he didn't have the right PPE, the right masks and stuff, and he got three different 9-11-related skin cancers that spread to his liver and pancreas, and in just the last three months, he had a stroke and is now having seizures. Uh, my, my dear friend, Billy Kelly, and so we think of him on this day as well, people who are suffering 20 years later from the medical illnesses from those buildings coming down. I think the move forward is vigilance, and I think that we have to stop being liberals and conservatives, and we need to all be Americans. I think that the feeling that we all had on 9-12 that we were one country is is gone, and we're so divided, and there's so much arguing, and we very much have lost our way. And people ask me every day, Robin, do you think we're safer now or less safe? And we're so much less safe. We're back to a pre-9-11, 9-10 mentality. My charity book that I wrote with other people called Covering Catastrophe, Broadcast Journalists Report 9-11-01, is available on Amazon. And it's a compilation of the history as told by the radio and TV reporters who were in New York, D.C., and Pennsylvania and what they saw on that day with their own eyes and heard with their own ears. So the book cannot be disputed because it's real-life accounts of what happened, and we, we wrote it and finished it in the first 90 days after 9-11. So yeah. the book is 19 and a half years old. While We did it while memories were fresh. That's the important thing. The book's called Covering Catastrophe. One other thing I wanted to mention, I remember watching it on TV. Of course, I wasn't at Ground Zero like you or Robin Walensky. Watching it on TV, and one of the things that stuck in my mind as the news, that little papers were fluttering down to the ground, right, from offices mm-hmm. and things like that, and then you heard the beep, beep, beep. Do you remember that? And I heard later on that those yeah. were the beep, the beepers that the fire department people had, locator beakers, beepers or something. Do you those remember Those were the, the chirps that, in other words, when a firefighter is in trouble or passes out or something, there's a little, um, in this case, they were dead. Uh, the chirping of oh, the deceased okay. firefighters of the 343 that we lost in the building that day and the paper was just it would look like almost confetti as it was coming, coming down out of the i just rem- i just remember standing there on a you just kind of a jar uh, got a memory going for me where i was on a payphone going live with the associated press in washington and both of the towers were on fire and i'm thinking in my head heidi how are they in the world are they going to put that out you know and uh I'm on the phone doing my live shot, and all of a sudden I hear people screaming on the top of their lungs, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I'm thinking, you know, what could be worse than both buildings on fire? And then the South Tower is collapsing in slow motion. And and a guy next to me, he's like, you know, part of America is gone forever. And, you know, and I felt the same way. And it's so powerful today just, you know, thinking back, the imagery um, I still, 20 years later, have a hard time sleeping, and, you know, the, the repetitive thoughts of it and the PTSD elements and the smell of smoke just never goes away. People who lived in Manhattan at the time, like I did, I mean, 
there were fires there for up to six months in on the pile wow. and the smell of smoke. And it was just a terrible thing. And, and what's scary to me is that what's coming next is going to be worse. I unfortunately feel that in my gut. I was there in 93 when they tried to take it down the first time. Again, these terrorists are into the long game. Yeah, that's what we forget about. Robin Walensky, great talking to you. The book is covering catastrophe. You can get it on Amazon, and the proceeds go to charity. Thank you, my friend, and uh, it's hard to believe it's been 20 years, and I hope that we're more vigilant this time. I agree with you that we probably are not. That's the issue. Absolutely. God bless, Heidi. Thanks for all you do. Thank you. I hope we're ready for what might happen next. I really don't know if we are. Spiritually, we need to be ready, certainly more importantly than anything else, and obviously politically, militarily, we need to be ready to protect ourselves no matter what comes next. I'm Heidi Harris. Don't forget to join me Sunday nights live in St. Louis on 97.1 FM Talk, 7 to 9 p.m. St. Louis time, 5 to 7 Vegas time. And you can listen from anywhere uh, at the link at HeidiHarris.com or on the Odyssey app, 97.1 FM Talk. Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell.